was the opening music to the unsinkable Molly Brown. And we really do find out that she's unsinkable in this movie. It's, it's quite dramatic in, yes, in the indeed. way that she is unsinkable. So <laughs> this movie was released in 1964 by MGM. And uh, it's, it's a fun, fun mus- musical. I really enjoyed it. Uh, my name is Matt Johnson, and I'm recording from the Seattle area. And I'm Bob Johnson, and I'm here in Los Angeles. And we welcome you to our podcast on classic movie reviews. You can find us on iTunes by searching for classic movie reviews. And uh, there's, no, there's no cost to uh, listening to the uh, podcast. We're also on Facebook. And Matt, our web address is... Oh, it's easy. Just type in classicmoviereviews.net and you can see all of our episodes there. There's an episode listing and the latest episodes are right on the homepage. And you can listen right from the website or if you subscribe to us through iTunes, uh, you can listen to us through that. And again, it's free, which is always good. Yes, we aim uh, to provide a, a high-value uh, podcast here for the cost. For the cost, <laughs> right. <laughs> so this movie, uh, a lot of it was filmed in Colorado when I was living in uh, Boulder and Denver, and it had a lot of publicity about the filming of it. Uh, and the scenery, the, the location scenery is just magnificent. I really enjoyed that. The, uh, the box office on it uh, looks like it was a little over $11 million. But I'm not sure the accuracy of that amount because it was so popular at the time. My takeaway is it was it was a greater hit than that, but uh, I couldn't find any other information. And the director, Charles Walters, did two really fun musicals that we have not reviewed. He did a lot of movies, but he did these are two really special ones. Easter Parade from 1948 and High Society from 1956 with Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, and a favorite, Louis Armstrong and his band. Great, fun movie. We may want to watch that in the future. Uh, And I'll bet that many of our listeners will not know that the lead actor in this, Harv Presnell, was gunned down in the movie Fargo. Oh. (laughs) The Coen Brothers movie. He played... uh, the father of the kidnapped wife, and he refused to give the ransom up, and he got gunned down by one of the bad guys. He was also in Saving Private Ryan. He's been in in so many movies and TV shows. He's one of those actors that once I saw him, I was like, oh, I know who he is. I always mix him up with uh, Howard Keel. Howard Keel was another lead singer, dancer, People will remember him from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Uh, to me, they they uh, are very similar in their voices and all. So he did a. I thought he did an excellent job in this. This uh, movie is based off of a Broadway musical, and the part in the musical was written for him because he yes. was a he was an internationally renowned singer before he became an actor, and. Uh, He's, you know, this is, he is Mr. Brown. (laughs) He is Mr. Brown, or as I like to call him, Leadville Johnny. I love that nickname, Leadville Johnny. 
I think he was the only cast member from the Broadway musical that was used in the movie. That seems to be kind of a trend where the movie is based on the Broadway musical, but not too many people come over from. It's a different style of acting, right? In movies, it's a it's a totally I different guess. different thing. I read some of the other background. I, I loved Ed Begley as Seamus Tobin and Jack Crushen, Crushen as Christmas Morgan. And in that big dance scene where they're all romping around that home in Denver, yeah. the two of those guys are dancing. And I'm like, I never saw Ed Begley in a movie where he had danced before. He was an excellent, excellent actor. He was great. Yeah, he, was. Played, he played uh, Debbie Reynolds' like step or adopted father, right? So, yes, yes, yeah. And then, of course, uh, saving the best for last, Debbie Reynolds was magnificent. I tell you, you know, for somebody who, when she was filming Singing in the Rain, she had to be taught how to dance. But in this movie, wow, she is on fire. She's she's so great. She she doesn't have any lack of energy either. No. Like, she would she wow. would be whooping and a hollering in that same uh, musical number that you mentioned at the big fancy home in Denver. She was making some pretty funny sounds as she was dancing. I liked it. I did too. Uh, there's a little backstory that I read. I don't know how true it is or the source of it, other than this uh, internet site. Uh, that originally Shirley MacLaine was considered for the part of Molly Brown, but she was under contract with some other person or studio, and so Debbie Reynolds got the part. And. Uh, Shirley MacLaine was really interested in having it. She would have been good in it, too. Yeah, she would have been good, yeah. Uh, there's something about Debbie Reynolds. I think she was able to show that transition from the tomboy at the beginning of the movie that lived out in a cabin with her adopted father and all the all the other men and boys around thought she was just one of the, one of the guys. <laughs> I know. There's a there's a line at about 16 minutes into the movie where they they have some visitors, and one of the visitors says, "This place could sure use a woman." I got Molly. Yeah. Of course she can't cook worth a damn, and devil a bit of talent she's got for housekeeping, as you can see. But she does her share, does most of the hunting and fishing. Ain't it about time somebody told that motherless lass she's a girl? <laughs> And, you know, it's like, yeah, I think she knows she's a girl, but she she's out there in the woods and she doesn't have any role models. And there's another line a few minutes later where they're talking about she needs to get married. Uh, she's reached the age for getting into trouble. Oh, time to marry her off, Seamus. Marry? Who'd marry Molly? Well, there must be somebody who doesn't know her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that she was 32 at the time she filmed this and I guess as I watched it if I had seen it originally I probably hadn't wouldn't have thought of that because she she did come across a bit older but 
Well, I think it was it was fine later in the movie, but at the beginning of the movie, I felt like it was a little bit of a stretch to think that she yeah. was such a tomboy at, at age 32. Like, I think it would have made more sense if she was like 18. Just it would have been a little bit more believable, but I, I, I was willing to, to look over it. I think I made a note that said every line is a good one. There's just too many to keep track of. I started to write down some lines that I thought were really funny, and I couldn't keep up. Oh, there are. Uh, there was one where there's a line where Debbie Reynolds, who's playing Molly Brown, uh, is dreaming about how she wants to become a big success. You leaving home, Molly? It's time, Paul. I've thought it through. There's nothing for me here. Here you're just born and you live and you die. What more is there, Molly girl? Somewhere there's just got to be things to see and do more than what there is here. I'm going to marry me a, a rich man like Katie Spinner did. Be careful about the love of money, Molly girl. What ain't the money I love, Paul? It's not having it I hate. And then she says... I'll send for you, Pa. I promise that. And you'll have a room of your own where you can stay in bed all day with a jug of the best liquor. And her dad says... Do that now. <laughs> Didn't to me the, the cabin that they lived in at the beginning of the movie reminded me of the one that uh, Judd lived in in uh, the musical Oklahoma. I thought, wow, it was very it was about the same size and it was about just as dark in there as uh, Judd's. <laughs> I also liked the very opening of the movie where the little baby's coming down the rapids in that little basket, rippling over the water. Oh, I'm and like, then she falls. Then the bas- she falls out of the basket, and she's swimming down the the river, and Crawls she kind of floats over to the side. And I thought, wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's unusual. That's very fortuitous of the baby. And that's the beginning of her being unsinkable. So the the word unsinkable in the movie has two two meanings to me. It's not only does she float, nobody can keep her down. You know, she's just undeniably going to succeed, and and nothing is going to stop her. Even the sinking of the Titanic uh, didn't put an end to her. In fact, she became a hero of that. I read that uh, at the time she was considered a hero in, in the press because of the way she had gotten the people on the boat to look for other survivors. It's amazing. In the movie that James Cameron did, Titanic, Molly Brown was played by Kathy Bates. I kind of these my comments are a bit random because there was so much to comment on. But. Oh well, I, I went through chronologically. We could kind of oh, did you kind of well, go through that. it chronologically? So uh, it starts off with the uh, with Molly Brown kind of being abandoned, or I guess maybe there was an accident, and and she was the only one that survived, and she floats down the river, and is found by uh, Ed Begley's character Seamus Tobin, and then we cut. Uh, I guess, you know, 18, 16, 18 years in time. And she's out playing, you know, she's fishing. And they don't show her from the front. So you could think maybe this is a guy because she's acting like a guy. She moves like a guy. Her mannerisms are not like what you would expect a woman's to be at at, at that time. So, and then they, she gets in a big fight with her brothers. Or no, it's not her brothers. It's uh, some people that are visiting visiting them. Then we find out that she's a uh, woman. You know, she's every bit 
the equal of these guys that are wrestling with her, and she she definitely holds her own. She gets made fun of a little bit because of what I said earlier about somebody ought to tell Molly she's a girl, and she you can tell she's not too happy about that. And she has dreams of wanting to be a big success and, and moving out of the cabin and getting out of the mountains and going to the big city. Her dad is totally happy. I mean, like like he said, I've got what I need. I have my bed and I have my liquor and I'm good to go. <laughs> what more could I ask for? Fresh air? She she decides that she's going to head out and she's got to, you know, go make her way in the world. And then we cut to a scene of a guy singing <laughs> in the mountains. <laughs> Hear yourself laugh, and you laugh a lot more. Gives a man confidence to holler in the mountains. Hey there, Rio. Hey there, Rio Grande. Where else, Rio, did you learn to roar? Well, I'll tell you. Let me tell you, Rio, like me, you would be only a small-time trickle without the mountains of Colorado. And he's, he loves his voice because he, he sings and then he listens to the echo through the, through the mountain canyons. And it's, it's really a powerful voice. And Boy, you is can, it ever. You can just tell he's full of life. He just loves living out there in the in the mountains. And this is... He's sort of self-actualized right from the be- beginning of the movie. At this point, I felt like I was watching a Disney movie because it's just got yeah. all the elements of a, of a really classic Disney movie. It really does. It really does. And the scenery is spectacular. And a lot more of it was filmed on location because there were very few times when I could say to myself, oh, they're back in the studio again. It was really beautiful. How much, how long did it take them to hike up to that vista where they filmed, you know, one of his singing moments? Mm-hmm. And they're just, I'm pretty sure they were on location. I, that must have been quite a, a trek. In today's uh, films, I doubt that I could tell when it is or isn't on location or with a blue a green screen. Is So then we cut back to Molly and she's taking a bath in the creek or the lake or whatever this guy that was singing up in the mountains comes down and we find out that he's his name is mr brown so we kind of we are we know right away that they're going to end up together because that's the her name is molly brown yes and <laughs> he says that he should she should come back to his cabin with him how long you been there long enough hmm. a nice pastime for a grown man yep go away this here's my land. You're trespassing. Oh. What are you doing here? Washing off the dust of the road. My feet hurt. Been walking for three days. Alone? Why not? How far is it to Leadville? Long ways. Maybe ten miles. Where'd you sleep last night? Under a tree. Well, you're welcome to spend the night in my cabin. Oh, I am, am I? you think you're reading my mind, Missy, you're wrong. I ain't that needy. Besides, you ain't that much, you know. You're no prize. Back home where I come from, we drown runs of the litter like you. (laughs) And she's super, super uh, suspicious of all men because her dad warned her about men and they can't be trusted. (laughs) 
<laughs> so she goes back to the cabin with him and turns out that he might not have been telling the whole truth about the fact that the town she's trying to get to is only a mile away when he said it was actually 10 miles away and that makes her mad and she storms off and then she gets to this town i guess that was leadville it would probably have been yeah 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 because that's leadville johnny yeah leadville johnny and my note here is that she's a very confident person she walks into town and she goes up to the first guy that she sees who's who she overhears saying that he needs some help with running the saloon. And she goes, well, I'm your gal. I can do that. Yeah. And they walk yeah. into the saloon, and this is the Christmas saloon. He says, well... Say, can you sing? Oh, I can sing the hogs out of the hills. Hmm. Get your fancy dress and uh, fix your hair up. You might look almost as good as them hands across the way. You sure you can sing? Oh, sure. Sure. What's the matter? You're kind of funny. I I guess I'm awful hungry. Well, we'll get you something to eat. Can you handle a box? Box? Piana. Can you play it? Oh, oh the piano. Mm. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, if you can play the piano and you can sing, you've got yourself a job. And she has no idea how to play the piano. <laughs> so she teaches herself how to play the piano and, uh, and sing. And... I just thought Debbie Reynolds is amazing. She's she's such a great actress. She really brings this character to life. She does. She she inhabits that character. And, and again, I, I was watching the dance scenes in that uh, tavern, and I thought to myself, I'll bet these folks were in Oklahoma. I wouldn't be you know, surprised. There was cowboys and, and uh, farmers, and now it's miners and mountain people, and they're they are very talented. And for hookers. Of, uh, and hook. Oh yeah, more. Whew. Yeah, so the, yes. these three, these three, uh, these three hookers show up, oh. and they're very—I thought they were scary looking—and <laughs> <laughs> they all start dancing together, and they kind of have this dance-off almost, like where they're being very sort of sexy and uh, provocative, and she can't really keep up with that. But then by the end of the dance, she's got them backing up, and she's the one in charge. And uh, and I thought to myself, I bet none of them have danced with Gene Kelly like she had <laughs> that's true that's true so uh, the music in it is very appropriate so yeah we could just kind of jump through some of this uh, we, we want to try to get through the movie it's it's oh it's like two hours long she's just she's just incredibly smart so she learns to read in no time like I said she learned to play the piano she learned to sing she learned to dance Johnny is just has fallen in love with her and uh, kind of tricks her a little bit into marrying him because he she describes the things that she would like to have in her ideal sort of house and life and he goes out and and builds a cabin that matches that and buys all these things that she wants like the brass bed and a stove to cook on and a stove to heat the house and in that cabin they have a, a fold down tub I thought that was I thought that was great. I was going to say they probably got it from the Sears catalog. <laughs> probably everything in there came from the Sears catalog. She uh, is so grateful and just so overwhelmed uh, that when he asks, well, he doesn't even really ask, he says, we're getting married tonight. And she's like goes along with it. We're getting married today. Well, 
It's against all the things I ever dreamed of. But it'd be against nature for me to say no. And besides, I, I sure couldn't stand anybody else sleeping in that beautiful brass bed with the stars shining. Ready? Ready for what? But then after after the marriage, the wedding, she's so sad. She didn't get a ring, she didn't have a dress. And then all of a sudden Johnny is just leaves and he's gone for three days. We don't know where he went, and she's she's there alone. And then he shows back up and he's got three hundred thousand dollars in cash that he stuffed into his coat. That's a lot of money. <laughs> no kidding. But I, what I liked about that scene, what I, I started laughing so hard because she wanted to hide the money someplace. She, she thought, I'll put it in the cookie jar. No, it doesn't fit. I'll, I'll put it uh, under the mattress. No, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Oh, I know where I'll put it. I'll put it in the stove. Yes, right. Good thinking. <laughs> we can burn it up. So then Johnny comes back from his bath. He's freezing cold, and he, he decides to light a fire. <laughs> <laughs> all the money and uh molly says fire what fire fire <laughs> <laughs> goodbye money and then johnny starts this he starts uh saying well talk to me gold and silver holler loud because i got a gal that burns money up he goes outside <laughs> of his cabin walks about uh 50 yards and he throws his pickaxe it hits the side of the mountain and he discovers colorado's biggest gold I know. What a lucky guy. Yeah, super lucky guy. (laughs) Wow. So they're super rich now. They decide to move to Pennsylvania Avenue, which is the the rich street in in Denver. And uh, they have a beautiful house, I guess, if you like uh, very garish decorations with lots of red furniture and wallpaper, uh, which Molly likes. You know, this is kind of, you know, this is all, we're over an hour into the movie now, and I still feel like we're in the first part of the movie. Yes, it's like, yes. Th- nothing can stop them. They've, she's gone from living in this dirt poor cabin with her dad to living in the nicest house on Pennsylvania Avenue and being probably one of the richest people in Colorado. You know, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. It happens so, so quick. They're not accepted by their neighbors, and this is kind of one of the crux of the story, which is Molly desperately wants to be accepted by these other rich she says rich good-looking people yeah they think of her as nouveau riche with all this wealth that they got in a hurry johnny says we had more fun back in leadville by accident than we're having uh here on purpose and he 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 doesn't like it because he you know like i said i think he was pretty much self-actualized at the beginning of the movie he would have been fine living in that cabin yes uh, back back there in the mountains we meet we meet Mrs. McGraw's mom, and Mrs. McGraw's one of the worst neighbors who really won't accept Molly. They could have made room first. There's plenty of room at that table. Well, howdy. Howdy, Seamus. Howdy, folks. She knows my name. I know plenty. Come in, come in, you pretty thing. Evening. Evening. We're having a bite to eat. Come in and sit a while. Thank you kindly. Howdy. 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 Uh, how about a dish of stew? Oh, I'd rather have a beer. Oh, 
That was sure a dreary party, wasn't it? Was you there? No, but I was watching. I'm Mrs. McGraw's ma. Where? Well, howdy, Miss McGraw. Not Mrs. McGraw. Grogan. My daughter Gladys married a McGraw, but I'm Mrs. Grogan, Buttercup Grogan. How come you ain't at the party, Buttercup? Ain't never invited to Gladys's parties. She keeps me hid upstairs. Hid? When she's company. She's the leader of Denver society, you know. Well, now, that ain't a nice way to treat you, Mrs. Grogan. Oh, I don't mind them friends of hers with their pinkies off. Ain't my kind of folks. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought she was great, Hermione Bedelli. Her and Ed Bagley's character kind of hook up. Seamus and, and Buttercup kind of become a couple throughout the movie. What a couple. So the Monsignor, the father uh, who is running the local church, gives them some advice and says that you really need to get some culture and manners and you should go travel around Europe and you know, you'll pick up that and then when you come back you'll be you'll be second generation rich. You won't be nouveau rich anymore. You know, Molly says, I can't go back to Leadville, Johnny. I've got to go forward. So and Johnny says, okay, let's do it. I, I like the way they uh, segue to dancing in Greece, Italy, Paris, London. That was great. The same kind of dance. It was really well done. Yeah. I think they might have been in Egypt, too, because I, I think I saw some pyramids. Oh, probably. They got around with the same dance step. And they, they meet, and because of their uniqueness, uh, I guess, they meet a lot of famous royal people in Europe and they get invited to fancy dinner parties and they make all these friends with uh, these these rich people in Europe and Johnny has just reached the end of his rope and says I, I've got to go back to well he says to Molly I've got something to tell you and, and Molly says well hang on a second I've got something to tell you I just wanted you to know I, I thought it was time we went home <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say. You, you ain't fooling me. Mm-mm. <laughs> Colorado. Home. I'll get the tickets tomorrow. Oh, you better get about, um, about ten of them. Ten of them? Mm. I've invited the crown heads of Europe to be our guests. Tonight at the party, I promised the Grand Duchess and the Prince we'd show them Denver. Of course, they have to bring along their friends. His royalty don't even go to the shed unescorted. How's that go again? You shown off Denver to the crown heads, so the crown heads off to Denver. And Mrs. McGraw. This is where I started to not like her as much. She's gonna she's gonna flaunt their trip with all to, to all the people that didn't get along with her in Denver. Here she starts to become this person who really wants to prove something to these other rich people on Pennsylvania Avenue. And, you know, it's it's that scene when they come back and have that party at her house. Yes. <laughs> she makes that grand entrance down the stairs. Oh, that dress must have cost a fortune. And and all those rich people and the, the, the royals come down the steps and they all they all make a point of making fun of Mrs. McGraw. She, they say, well, do you know how to play the piano? And she goes, well, I, I, I don't. And do you know how to sing? Oh, no, I don't. Do you know how to paint? No, I don't. <laughs> she got her comeuppance for sure. But then another group shows up behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. The friends from Leadville.
Ladies and gentlemen, these are our amis from Leadville. Amis? Hell, these are our friends! I was surprised that they all had tuxedos and formal uh, dresses on. They looked good. Yeah. They did. They cleaned up well. And they brought all their banjos and their drums and their uh, guitars and all their equipment so that they could they could play in the band and have a good old time. And I thought, this movie is so fun. You know, they all start dancing. And There's a huge hoedown with European royalty and the Leadville 20. And that's what Ed Bagley and Jack Christian are, are dancing. I'm like, I love this. Ed Bagley dancing. Who knew? And then uh, Mrs. McGraw and the society page writer, he makes a comment like that when she lived, when Molly lived back in Leadville, she was one of the working girls. That doesn't fly with Je uh, Christmas Morgan, uh, Seamus, and a whole bunch of other people start getting in a huge fight. I <laughs> know. <laughs> no. That was pretty funny. I like that. I actually kind of like that scene because it was, it was, it was still. It was almost like dancing and fighting at the same time. Oh, this is when Johnny slaps her, and then she calls him lazy and stupid, and he goes back to Leadville. And then the prince, who she's kind of... I, I don't know if she she's falling in love with him or just kind of enamored with his being famous and, and royal. But uh, he says to Molly, you cannot stay here, Molly. The air is much too thin. We basically cut to where Molly's in Europe with... All these people that she doesn't really know that well, and you can. There's a scene where they call her Queen Molly. Yeah, Queen Molly. I like your comment. Queen Molly looks more like an evil queen. Here is my scepter. Here is my crown. I'm queen of the world. So bad. <laughs> I'm Molly Tobin, Queen of the Lord Pale. Bob. Curtsy. Well, drop my drawers. It's Gladys McGraw. Aren't you going to curtsy? No, I guess you aren't. And why should you? I'm a vulgar, extravagant, ignorant, nouveau-riche American expatriate. Clowning for a bunch of people I don't know and don't care about. Just a figure of fun. at all does she no, she's, she she doesn't she looks very severe and 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 kind of scary and this is where i think the second act of the movie starts so we're a, a, an hour and 50 minutes into the movie and everything leading up to this point has been her sort of meteoric rise to where she thinks she wants to be as a person right she's got the money she's got the fame she's got all the rich friends uh but what she doesn't have is johnny because Johnny's still back in Leadville. And she has sort of a crisis while she's in Europe, and it all comes to a head when Johnny sends her a letter saying, you don't have to wear the ring anymore, Molly. It's over. And I think he's basically saying, you know, we can get a divorce. 
And she realizes, you know what? That's not what I want to do. And she says, And this is what I've become. Because last of all comes something you can't buy with money. Last of all, it's just living with yourself. Maybe I'm getting there. Maybe that's where I'm getting. Johnny used to say, why don't you settle for happiness? But I thought happiness was all the things I was doing. It was what I wanted. It was what I dreamed of. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> she realizes that Everything that she's ever wanted is not really what's going to make her happy. So then she decides to head home. And how does she get home? Does she take any old boat back to the U.S.? <laughs> no, 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 no. She takes the Titanic. The Titanic sinks, but she is unsinkable. She proves her mettle by, by uh, giving a pep talk to all the people on the, on the boat. Well, yeah, and and what's nice about this is that really happened. I, well, I don't know about the pep talk, but she kind of got the boat people to go back and look for more survivors. This whole Titanic thing really changed her when that when it sank. She was a different person after that, and it changed the way people perceived her too. Because when she came back, she was sort of the toast of the town, and even Mrs. McGraw came over. Welcome home, Molly. Thank you, Gladys. It's very nice of you to come over. Come on, Gladys, tell her. Yes, yes, dear. Mother and I... We're throwing like... a party for you to celebrate your homecoming. The sacred 36 is ready and waiting for you. Now get out of them traveling clothes and get into a party dress. Hurry, hurry! Yes, I'll join you as soon as I can. Thank you, Gladys. You're a good sport. Molly, you're quite a woman. Hurry up now. I just really enjoyed this movie because the message of the movie to me was, you know, you don't need all these fancy uh, possessions. You don't have to be rich. It's all about who you are as a person. And when she was coming up through society, people just loved her. You know, she was so energetic and so kind and everybody was her friend. And then once she kind of reached that pinnacle and was back in Europe that second time, um, I don't think she had very many real friends, and nobody really liked her, and she didn't like herself. And then through that, through that happening on the with the Titanic sinking, she realized that, you know, it really is about who you are and who you can help and how you treat people. It's it's uh, great, and then the uh, the ending where they show the various scenes, various scenes on a flashback. That was I, great. Yeah, I like that flashback. I, I don't normally like flashbacks in movie, but that one did show in a really quick way the journey that she went on and how it kind of came back. Because uh, the the very last scene of the movie is uh, there. she goes up to her bedroom there in her fancy mansion on Pennsylvania Avenue, and she opens the door, and her fancy bed is gone, and the brass bed from the cabin back in Colorado <laughs> is there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you know that Johnny's going to be in the room. And yeah. there's this great scene where... 
they look at each other for like 10 seconds and they are both kind of wondering do they still love each other and then they they just rush to each other and give each other a big hug and a kiss and then we fade to credits <laughs> really a fun movie uh she uh debbie reynolds was nominated for an academy award as best actress for this role and she lost to julie andrews who won for mary poppins boy that's tough another musical tough, tough competition. competition i think she, if it hadn't been mary poppins i think she would have won i won it and then meredith wilson who wrote the musical score i think his best work was the musical the music man oh yeah which is a wonderful wonderful movie oh we need to do that one sometime with robert preston yes i gave the movie a seven out of ten and uh, I did that because, to me, the the music isn't quite as memorable as it is in On the Town or Singing in the Rain, Oklahoma, or The Music Man. And uh, so I, I kind of came down on that one. How did you... Uh, how did you rate it? Well, I have to say, I haven't enjoyed a movie like this uh, in a while. I mean, I've we've watched some really good movies and I've enjoyed them a lot, but this one... I was laughing. I had some good belly laughs. I was chuckling. I was just enjoying the ride, and I, I gave it a 9 out of 10. All right. There were, you know, it was a little bit contrived. I mean, it, it or maybe it was a lot contrived, but I still, I didn't mind it. I just was so uh, involved in wondering what was going to happen to her next. It was just one thing after the another. The thing I, the, well, it's positive, too, that... It holds up well today, after almost 50 years, or over 50 years. Well, I'm going to watch it again this weekend. I'm going to try to get a couple of my kids to watch it with me. and, and See I, what they see think. See what they think. I think they're going to like it a lot. I did a little background reading on the real Molly Brown. She died in 1932, and one of her last public comments was how much she loved Leadville Johnny and what a great guy he was. And then I read that she was very active in working with World War I veterans that came home, you know, with injuries and missing limbs. And then she became an active uh, uh, person in uh, promoting literacy. So she was she had a, quite a life. Uh, it's so cool that there's know. an actual person that's behind this character, you know, and, and I, I have no idea the extent to which this is somehow biographical. But, uh, you know, there is the, the scene on the Titanic that, that is... But uh, it, it's it's neat that there's a real person that, that it's based on. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad we watched it. We would recommend it. Definitely. Wholeheartedly. So, so what's up next? We are entering our four-movie marathon of late 60s and into the 70s science fiction. And I realized as I was thinking about the movies that we picked that it's it, they're all kind of post-apocalyptic uh, stories. We've got Planet of the Apes coming up. And then we've got uh, the uh, Andromeda Strain. No, oh, one of my favorites, yeah. And and Westworld. And Logan's Run. And they all have a theme of something really bad happening that could wipe out the human race. <laughs> we could add to our list by uh, also doing the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Is that the one where he's the last the last man on Earth and he's fighting these kind of vampire yes. zombie like creatures? Oh yeah, it was done. Will Smith did a re redo of it a few years back. And uh, Vincent Price was in a movie that yes. was also based on that. Back in the 60s, yeah. So we it could, might be I mean, kind of fun to watch all three of those and review them uh, <laughs> as one episode. 
we could do these four and then lighten it up, and then in a few months do those three back to back to back. Yeah, that'd be something. We yeah, we don't want to do that after this. We're going to need something a little bit more uplifting after these four. Yeah, I'm not sure we'd want to do four <laughs> plus three, seven. Wow. That'd be too much. Okay, uh, so that's up next. That movie, Planet of the Apes, I think was made in 1968. That's a, that's a, that's obviously a classic, and it's yes. going to be fun to kind of dive into some of the themes of that movie. How many sequels uh, do you think they've made of that? I think there's like six, or there might be more, and Not then many. they've then they've restarted the franchise in the last you know five years. So, so I guess that concludes our podcast for this uh, this go round. This is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles, and this is Matt Johnson in Seattle, wishing you a great week of movie watching. Well, you know, in Denver, there's a there was I don't know if it's still there. It probably is a really fancy hotel called the Brown Palace, named after her. And I have to believe that I've been to drive by her mansion because it's it's in Denver. There's a beautiful old area of Denver around Cheeseman Park, and we lived in an apartment just off of Cheeseman Park the year when you were born. And it's in that area. There's some beautiful, big, large mansions. And uh, hers would be one of them. It's probably now a museum that people could go through, or my guess would be. Oh, interesting. That's cool. So, yeah, she was, she was alive and well in the Mile High City. <laughs>